All right, guys. <laughs> All right. Let's do this. Let's fucking do this. None of this really matters. Episode 16. Welcome back, guys. And I hope you're having a good day. I just want to shout out the people who subscribe to the Patreon. And for the new listeners, I hope you follow us on Instagram at None of This Really Matters. And uh, follow Rob, the producer at Just Rob DMV, on Instagram and Letterboxd. And uh, follow me, Nathan.McGeorge, on Instagram and Letterboxd. And uh, shout out to all the people watching visually. <laughs> Ho- hopefully. <laughs> Listen, we know. We, uh, we know. The, you if, you, if, the, you know you, if you know, you know. You have the, the newest SD one. card reader. Yeah. It's, I have it on me. Are you going to edit those? I tried to today. <laughs> it's shit's hard. That shit, it gives me a head. That's why I went to sleep earlier today, because I had a headache. Isn't it exhausting? I YouTubed, and I... It's hard. You know who does that is Alex Media. He, that's how he learned how... He know he did the Netflix special like that. It's Just doing YouTube. YouTubing as he was as he's going. <laughs> it's that's. I was just watching a Steven Spielberg document. Fucking great transition. <laughs> I was just watching a Steven Spielberg documentary about uh, directing films, yeah. and the no the being a film director the like the description of that job is that you have no, like there's going to be days where you have no idea what you're doing on set, and your job is to keep that a secret the whole time. And that's how Steven Spielberg, one of the most successful directors of all time, describes being a film director is not knowing what the fuck you're doing, but hiding it from everybody as you're going. Right. That's being a filmmaker. And I could that coming from Steven Spielberg is like, like uh, relieving because you're like, oh, so everybody feels like this. Everybody doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. You could be Steven Spielberg. You could make Jaws. Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, and and Ready Player One, and The Color Purple, and still not know and E. T. and not know what the fuck you're doing, you know. Mm-hmm. So hearing that from that guy, that was really cool, and also because I saw the documentary before, but I missed that the first time. But also how. Uh, I've told you this before. I've told I think I've told both of you guys this before. How, uh, what what are their names? George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, and Brian De Palma. Those yeah. four people from New York City. And Brian De Palma does did what? Brian De Palma did uh, Blowout, Carrie, Scarface, okay. Okay. Carlito's Way, Okay, Untouchables. Okay, God, uh, Jesus. Talk about that's why uh, and it's then, crazy. Me and Fonzie were talking about today, like having your and making sure your friends are like dope people, yeah, because it encourages like, you to be dope. Like George Lucas, I mean, the name speaks for itself. Yeah, Martin Scorsese, the name speaks for itself. Like, and then you have Steven Spielberg. I mean, Jurassic. I just said all his movies, and then Brian De Palma. All four of those people were best friends in film school. And look at them now. You know what I mean? That is in. They probably still call each other. Mm-hmm. Then they're the reason. Uh, there's a story that Brian De Palma is the reason why Star Wars has that yellow text explaining the backstory. Mm. Because when uh, George Lucas showed Scorsese, De Palma, and Spielberg the first cut of Star Wars, 
or it was supposed to be the final cut. They sh- they showed a private screening for them, and Brian De Palma was like, "What the fuck is going on? Like, what? The, why are these people here? Why is there a war? Why is there this? You need to explain this stuff." And so that's why there's a the thought of seeing that movie without the explanation would piss me off. Yeah, you'd be like, "Why are the, why is this? Why are they at war? Why are they doing yeah. this? Why are they?" And so, <laughs> yeah. Why are these two robots walking around looking for somebody? Where'd they get the thing from? And it, that concept, I mean, we were talking about... Because um, they, they, the movie starts with them on the ship, and she's like, with get, this to, get this to uh, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Kenobi. Yeah. And you're like, it, yeah, you're like... What the fuck is Obi-Wan Kenobi? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of name is that? Who the that? fuck is Obi-Wan Kenobi? But, and then, and then, so now, and I love that because then they made Rogue One that really explains like way more in dude, depth. Rogue One, so good. Same it goes Mandalorian I, one, and then Rogue One is for the, you. I can definitely see why that is because visually, those are things I've people shit on the solo story. Look at the cinematography that's good. in that. It's pretty good. Like the coloring, the color grading. Okay, is that it, what that is? The, it's is super, that what I like about it? Like that. It's not dark. The orange just, yeah. tints and the yellow tints. It's yeah. all. It's all. Uh, it, it all fits. Mood. Yeah, it and, makes it fantasy like. And uh, and Mandalorian is masterful. I don't know, like when Ahsoka showed up in the second season. I was like, I've never seen. I rewind. I rewound that scene. I need to. How we were talking about that? Something you were like, what's a rewind? Re, uh, the most rewatchable. Yeah, that. I would say season two of Mandalorian is definitely visually one of the With Rosario best. Dawson. And then Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tana in two lightsabers when they were in the dark. And it was just... That's cin- so cinematic. And that's all Jon Favreau. Beautiful. I love how... I love Jon Favreau because he's like an indie film icon. And how he... He kind of made Iron Man and he's like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> like I'm good. I did what I wanted to do, and then he kept showing up. Though I love that he kept showing up. Though mm-hmm. he's like, I'm not going to direct, but I'm definitely happy. And then he fucking came out of nowhere with Mandalorian, and I'm like, my mind was blown. But... Dave Filoni, let's give Dave Filoni his credit because I just watched. Uh, I watched the last season of the Clone Wars cartoon show. Never seen it. I never. I tried to watch the the whole thing. I was like, "Fuck this!" I just watched the last I, season. I've heard it's really good though. Like, like the story it connects and everything. I'm telling you, you know how like in like episode two, you kind of see Anakin get kind of mad, and then like all of a sudden, episode three, you're like. You know, you're kind of like really upset. Yeah, dude. yeah. I, that's what I liked about it. Is it's about a Jedi. Who's full of rage and full of anger? Like that, that breaks no. the, the show. The cartoon breaks it down way because Dave Filoni, uh, Steven, not Steven Spielberg, uh, George, George Lucas, Lucas had his hand in. He actually wrote like the first. I think he actually wrote on all of them, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. And uh, Scorsese, obviously, the, and, the god of three-hour movies. <laughs> what do his scripts look like? Probably. Are any of these people no, dickhead directors? What, the, out of the four of them? Yeah. No, they're all pretty dope. Like, they're nice to their their actors and stuff? Yeah. They're all, like, every single one of them, like, the actors want to work with them. Yeah, I love a directors like that. And that like, makes for such a good set. And Brian De Palma, out of all of them, I would want, if I could choose one to meet, 
it would either be Brian De Palma or Scorsese. It might be De Palma though. Scorsese is intimidating. I don't want to meet Scorsese. Because if, if anybody knows anything about like just movies that aren't science fiction, you know Martin <laughs> Scorsese. Yeah, if you're into like any kind of movie, like Scorsese for people, if for some reason <laughs> you don't know Martin Scorsese, I just don't understand. I I know who Martin Scorsese is. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. because well, I mean solely because of like Goodfellas. Yeah, and. My dad made me watch that. I was like six years old. And Casino, which is not appropriate for a six-year-old. It's good that because my mom always loved it. My mom would watch it too. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but he didn't make me watch it. They let me watch mm-hmm. it. I just watched Raging Bull because that's the one with Kevin. Make, let me say before I begin, that's with Kevin Costner, correct? What? Goodfellas. No, that's Untouchables. Untouchables. Who did that? Brian De Palma. It that's a great. Sense. That's a great film. That makes sense though when you said that. Now that really makes sense why I thought they were like the same fucking movie. Mm-hmm. They're both outstanding. Like Kevin Costner. The Untouchables is the movie that Al- is about we Al- have Al- to watch. Let's do that next week. My mom made us watch that every. It was like a Christmas movie for some reason. Cause she <laughs> loves the scene where Kevin Costner dives and saves the baby mm-hmm. and like shoots somebody at the mm-hmm. same. That's, that's like such an iconic part. scene. The the baby carriage? Yes. That's, uh, that's going down the stairs? Mom, she's like, Ooh. she makes this noise. She's like, Ooh. <laughs> Every time that part comes on, I bet you if I FaceTime, I'm like, Ma, Kevin Costner saving the baby. She's like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Goodfellas Casino. I mean, Taxi Driver. Like, Taxi, taxi driver. driver. I've even seen that movie. That. And I don't, I'll be like four years old, but I don't know why I like this when I'm watching it. Taxi Driver, uh, Mean Streets. Cape Fear. What are his newer ones? Aviator? Yeah, the Irishman with the Wall Street. The Wolf of Wall Street. The Departed. Shutter Island. I'm okay on Shutter Island. And uh, Hugo. Listen, I'm... man, we watched Shutter Island. Killers of the Flower Moon. No, I didn't. Killers of the Flower Moon, that's coming out next year? Mm-hmm. I turned that movie off. We didn't watch Shutter. I was like, I can't do it. We turned it off. It was too not Scorsese. It wasn't his. It started off really slow. It's very, it's super slow movie. I I was just, it was good because I remember watching it when I was little, like when it came out. However old I was, yeah. Um, and I remember just being like, yeah, this is good, but not knowing who Martin Scorsese really is. And then growing up watching it again, I'm just like, knowing it's Martin Scorsese, I'm like, this isn't a Scorsese film yeah. though. Like, Even, yeah, for you to say that, I'm like, that's surprising. That's not really... Because, I don't know, it was just a weird vibe to what he did. But he did... Martin Scorsese made, like, a thousand movies. I'm really? You're, you and this cinematography thing... Well, we, me and you connect on the visual thing, but now I can't watch a movie. Now I'm trying to, like... Martin Scorsese... Uh, we should do George a Scorsese... Lucas. We should do a Scorsese Brian movie De Palma. next week. When you talk about these movies and the way that you do, it makes me realize why I even like them without... Mm Because you know me, I don't normally like movies like that. Mm -hmm. But like Quentin Tarantino, like for me to Mm -hmm. like those movies, Mm -hmm. but they're not... They're like bored. Not fantasy. Most of them aren't fantasy. It's just like cool. Yeah. Like it's made up, but it's not what I would consider fantasy. Yeah. It's... 
something of they shot the the visual aesthetic of all of their movies is very enticing. I think is what I'm starting to learn, mm-hmm. which is why when I watched Parasite today, I was able to break down way more of the why people watch movies like this. My mission is accomplished. Getting you to watch Parasite. It was finally cinematography on a million. Because when they they kept you the architecture, about, the set design. Talking about that fucking yard. What was the yard supposed to the, represent? The set design for for Parasite. The whole house was literally, literally Bong Joon Ho had it built to make a movie in. What? Yeah. So he lives in it now. Probably. Maybe or it's probably it'll Something. probably be a museum or something. Something. Because that house is beautiful. beautiful, and the the symbolism of how when when the family the less poor, the less rich family uh, has to go back home, the symbolism of them having to go downhill and downstairs, and they mm-hmm. literally live like almost underground. They just have that one window that peeks out, like the fact that they're literally lower than the richer people, because there is like a whole bunch of you know, class uh, struggle uh, symbolism because in there. Because of the people who were in the sub, like the way deeper basement. They were mm-hmm. worse off yeah. than the mm-hmm. sub-basement family. Because to me, I'll admit, I didn't watch Parasite when it came out. Mm-hmm. It, for me, it was one of those movies because when... I started kissing this ass. So the quick. Oscars came on, and I was, and you know me, I was like, once upon a time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time, I was about to win Best Picture, Best Director, mm-hmm. which I will say Leo should have won Best Actor. Because I actually have a like a weird like thought that I think Oscars should be given out three years after that year, just so there's no mistakes. Three to five years, like I say, give it five years and then give out the Oscars for five years ago, like the Olympics or something. No, like not do it every four years. Like have Oscars every year, but like say I know what you like the people. I'm saying like as far as like. Give it four years of like being able to sit with people. Yeah, how it ages yeah. and everything. So there's no like, oh, Parasite won Best Picture, which it should it deserves Best Picture, but like, like defeats the purpose of the money though. Yeah, it's like the it, it's very. You know, it's one big like, come watch my movie and buy the DVD fest. Not really. It's more for people who love. Because it has still has the academy. It's not run by the same people every year. Oh, dude. I, I, I only push back on that because a lot of the people I watch are in Hollywood, and mm-hmm. they talk about the academy mm-hmm. and how corrupt they are. The academy is picked, for, or the people, the academy is filled with people. Like, even this year, Robert Pattinson is in the academy. It's just like the Grammys. It's just, mm-hmm. it's you, if you win or you're recognized in that field you mm-hmm. get the nomination mm-hmm. but the dirty part of it is is that you have to get you have to win so yeah. it's usually this favoritism mm-hmm. and the people that you know kind of thing and like that's why mm-hmm. people, that's why a lot of artists say fuck the grammys mm-hmm. and a lot of people in hollywood say fuck the oscars because they're like yeah mm-hmm. dude they don't from what i hear and kind of they echo some of the things you say. You're like the academy people don't understand cinema anymore. They mm-hmm. only go for like the, ooh, yeah. Like the, this is the new like. That's how, ah. I, like that's how a lot. I mean, I'm surprised because the thing that's about my only pushback on the is for people who love. I think it's for people who love movies, but for the wrong reasons. Yeah, it's not. 
Because there's... <sighs> if you win the Sundance Film Festival, I give you your respect. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's like Cannes Film Festival. If, if you, you won, win, if you win that, you're, then it's you're like a Nate person. Then it's like a great movie. Yes, because at film festivals, the good movies win. You know what I mean? Because the people who really love film. Because mm-hmm. I'm not saying that people. I think the Academy is just people who've been corrupted or been like, or you know how sometimes just, just like. I would think about this, like, sometimes people have a talent and they say, I want you to make money. There's mm-hmm. people who do that, and I think that's their, like, lane. The Grammys, mm-hmm. the Oscars, the Emmys. They're like, I love acting, but I also really love being famous and rich. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I think Sundance it takes Film away. Festival and Cannes is more like, I like being recognized for my talent, mm-hmm. but I don't want to be famous. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I have, like, like, it was always weird for me, like, I don't want to say weird. It's just I never thought about it, like, about acting as an art and seeing... And now seeing Robert De Niro, like, he was in theater and he, like, he's an actor. Like, when you think about the process... Like, when people think about actors, it's just like, oh, yeah, there's these snobby rich people who make a lot of money. It's like, no, these people respect the art of acting. They just happen to get a lot of money. And, like, like Brad Pitt and, and Leonardo DiCaprio are the biggest movie stars in the world, but they are such great artists when it comes to acting. That's why I said Rick Dalton, him as Rick Dalton should have won Best Actor. But the reason why I brought up the Oscars is... Man, he's funny, man. Leonardo- when he was dancing in The Wolf of Wall Street, <laughs> I t- like, just some things that you can see, I'm like, that's a part of your personality. Yeah, At like, that's not party, like... He like busts out in the middle of the floor and he's like, God, God, God. He starts like breakdancing. And I'm like, damn, fuck. I feel like that was improv. He just came out of nowhere. And so, but the reason why I bring up the the Oscars is because Parasite was one of those movies where I was like, not paid. Like, you know how they come out with like, there's like seven or eight movies uh, nominated for Best Picture. Mm -hmm. And usually every year I see like, I've already seen like six of them. And I'll see that, I'll try to watch both. But then I'll end up watching only one more, and then I miss one. And then usually that one I don't see ends up winning Best Picture. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, mm-hmm. how come I didn't see it? But Parasite was that movie I didn't see until after it won. And it won every fucking award at the Oscars. And I was like, what's up with this Parasite? Like, what's the deal? And so I uh, watched it, um, and my mind was blown. Beautiful I, movie. I was like, you told me about the metaphors beforehand, which I'm kind of glad you did mm-hmm. because I hate having to think about that beforehand or mm-hmm. like while I'm watching it because I feel like it takes away from what I'm trying to like. I just want to watch the movie sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So being able to know like these are what these things mean because mm-hmm. you, you didn't know tell me everything, but I was able to understand the sub level. Yeah, because you know I don't like adding politics or classes or racist like symbolism to movies because that's not what I like adding to it. I like seeing the romantic part of things. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And just not really adding to it, which I know they're there. Like, obviously with Parasite, they're there. But it's just like, that's not even what I focus on. Like, yeah, that's cool and all, but like, I like this part. You could get lost in other parts. If you didn't know that it was a symbolism movie, Mm -hmm. you could just watch it and think it Mm -hmm. was a... Like even the reason some creepy people in the basement. The reason why it's called Parasite is literally about class Mm -hmm. of how this broke family is trying to be a parasite inside of this rich family. Like 
it's literally within the name, but for... in the park you kind of misses how the previous owner died. Mm-hmm. I think they kept mentioning that, and I was like, "Are you trying to?" And then what's his name dies too, so it's like mm-hmm. basically your family's done too. Mm-hmm. It's it's like this just terrible this circle. cycle mm-hmm. of when at the end he's like, "I'm going to get rich. I'm going to buy yeah. his house back." You're going to come up. And I'm like, oh, somebody's going to get into your house. Yeah, someone's going to do the you. same thing. Yeah, it, it was. I was like, it's this. It's Korean capitalism. And just how. It's way more fair, I will say. Like, that was justice. Not justice, but it was like people who are poor was like, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, it right there. Yeah, like, yes, yeah. Because in our, in our movies, it's, it's, the poor people still always end up being poor, and the rich person is yeah. still the rich guy. It's like, all right, dude, see you later. And, and Except for what was the um, what's the show where she ended up getting down the jet at the end? I don't know what you're talking about. She ended up getting on the jet? Oh, you're talking about The Hunt. Yes. It's not a show. No, the movie. Yes, I hate when people say that. You sound like my grandma. It was just, mom says that, too. <laughs> Isn't it annoying? It's She's like, like oh, I love show. that show. I'm like, well, it's a movie. <laughs> I was like, that's what she was like. You know that show? I was like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I didn't know. Like, <laughs> um, The Hunt? Who's that? That's the blonde chick from Tomorrow War. <gasps> Did you watch it? Did you watch it? No. I watched... Uh, <laughs> I watched... Um, no. Me Sud- and Amanda cried. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's like that? It's not like that. We have kids. Okay. Oh, I've seen that the, for the hunt. We're looking at the hunt right now. Yes, the blonde chick. I I didn't watch the movie, but I've seen that poster before. Yes, and uh, um, she was in Tomorrow. World. I watched uh, No Sudden Move with Don Cheadle and Benicio del Toro because mm-hmm. I was gonna do. Oh, that sounds good, dude. And I posted it on my story. You did. I posted, give Don Cheadle his fucking Oscar. If he doesn't get any praise from this movie officially, uh, then it's done. Because Don Cheadle acted his ass off. It was insane to me because it's a a heist film uh, in 1950s Detroit. And... Uh, it has like uh, based on true events, like undertones to it, like on shit that really happened. Like it has to do since it's in Detroit, in Detroit, it has to do with the manufacturing of cars and like the war of uh, that they had of new technologies being put inside the cars and how some of it was held back so it would be cheaper to make cars and so they can make money off of that. And there's like undertones to that, but they don't make the movie about that. It's more, it's basically a suspenseful like crime thriller, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, Steven Soderbergh uh, directed it, which is the same director as Ocean's Eleven mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of he other just shit. Put out something else too, didn't he? Something or something's coming out by him. He did Mangle. No, he didn't do Manglehorn. You remember Manglehorn with Al Pacino? Negative. By that's David Gordon Green. That's a different person. David Gordon Green, which is fucking weird, because David Gordon Green. Could you look him up, Menda? He did Halloween, and he did like Pineapple Express. Like his whole uh, uh, filmography is insane to me. Oh, yeah, I could kind like of it, see that. Halloween. Which do you do Halloween H two O also? No, no, the new Halloween twenty eighteen. Oh, okay. 
He's, yeah, Halloween Kills, the new one that's coming out, that's mm-hmm. David Gordon Green. It's gonna, it's gonna be some funny parts in it. Cause there's some like parts in horror movies where you're like, I'm not supposed to laugh, <laughs> but that was funny. Oh, he did the sitter. Yeah, he did a lot of like Jonah Hill, Seth Rogen camp movies, and he did Halloween. I'm like, what? Like, okay, like it's cool. It's a great like how the new Halloween is great. But it's, but it's like, it's like I did. You keep saying Pineapple Express. I'm sorry. Pineapple Express is hilarious. Fuck you. <laughs> that shit is hilarious. But um, yeah, the new Halloween Kills is gonna be great. But we were talking about Steven Soderbergh. Yes. No sudden moves. Great film. HBO Max original. Eighty uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's fucking good. Which H- movie are you speaking of? Uh, no sudden move. Okay. That's really good for Rotten Tomatoes. Eighty-eight percent. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that's really good. That's so, from the people or the critics? From the people. Okay, all right. And uh, fucking yeah, no sudden move. It's the lens choice. It, they use almost like a fisheye. I was literally like thinking of you of like how I was gonna describe it to you because it's almost like a fisheye lens they use. Brennan Fraser's in there. Yeah, doesn't bother you. He's fat. It, it's it's fitting though. Because it's, uh, I mean, I was going to, like, my first, when the movie ended, I was like, talk about camera movement. Because the way they move, they pan over to shit. And when it's a fisheye, the room goes like that. And so I was like, holy shit. Like, they're getting away with this because it works. And I'm just, because the whole movie is about trust and, um, sabotage and and everything and the the concept of using a fisheye lens to make you like basically to to put you off in a way to put you off balance Mm -hmm. and you're like holy shit like just to me like while i'm watching and i'm like how are they getting away with this because you see like don Cheadle and benicio del toro having a conversation at the edge of the frame and they're like this small in the frame because the fucking the lens is rounding out and I'm like, holy shit, like, how the fuck are they having a conversation like this? Like, but it was, it was so cool. And you can tell, like, in the, uh, in the, throughout watching the film, you can tell Steven Soderbergh's just having fun because it's just, it's just a really cool movie to see. And, and the vibe, it's a noir, you know, film. Right. So just the vibe of like 1950s yeah. Detroit, like, crime, crime mystery, yeah. thriller, like, the whole yeah, vibe is. Like- yeah, when I saw Benicio del Toro and, and uh, Don, he does crime, like, that's, like that's his, like no other. That's Benicio del Toro. Like, you got a gun? Oh. like Snatch. Yeah. Snatch is crazy. That's a good movie. I haven't seen Snatch in a minute. I should have looked for that when we just went shopping right now. But it's also hilarious. Fucking uh, Brad Pitt and yes. Brad Pitt kills in Snatch with his accent, where he's like, he's not Scottish. He's not British and he's not Irish. Like, what kind of fucking accent does he have? And so, Brad Pitt was a genius in that film. And uh, no, it's uh, Guy Ritchie. He was on Guy Ritchie was on Joe Rogan. Who the fuck is Guy Ritchie? He's a director of Snatch. And um, okay, thanks for that description. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't think of what else he did. He has more popular. He did uh, the Gentleman with Matthew McConaughey. 
He did Wrath of Man, which is a new one. You keep saying stuff that keeps reminding me of funny moments of these people. Matthew McConaughey yes. was on Between Two Ferns, the movie, and it was hilarious. Oh, he was. And that was the funniest scene. He was like, you have a shirt on. Is everything all right? <laughs> <laughs> and Matthew McConaughey was like, you fucking kidding me. I, for- <laughs> I remember somebody recommended that movie to me. The the movie uh, Between Two Ferns. Me. And you did? Yeah. I said, you need to watch that movie because it is fucking hilarious. Fucking Zach Galifianakis is insanely funny. Like, effortlessly funny. He directed the new Aladdin movie. Really? Mm-hmm. I've never seen it, so. It doesn't, I, I, I can't say it. Sherlock Holmes, the new Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. That does have the same vibe as Snatch. Sherlock Holmes Kate and... Arthur. Guy Ritchie's pretty good. Uh, Guy the Ritchie's King Arthur movie is good. Guy Ritchie with uh, what's his name? Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he's gonna he's gonna take over Jason Statham's spot once Jason Statham is old. Fucking Guy Ritchie is honestly an interesting dude. I watched like clips of his uh, Joe Rogan interview and like just the way he um, thinks about like his uh, his own upbringing is very interesting. But anyways, what are we talking about here? We're talking about we're, watching, we're talking about no sudden move. Right? No sudden move. Yeah, the vibe of no sudden move. Mm-hmm. Noir film. Uh, fish, fish. Yeah, fish eye lens um, was an insane choice, which I'm surprised they fucking let him do that. But shout out to him because Steven Soderbergh is a well respected fucking director, solely because of Ocean's Eleven and Twelve and Thirteen. So. Uh yeah, go watch No Sudden Move, and uh, yeah, go watch No Sudden Move. Go mm. not go watch No Sudden Move. Go watch No Sudden Move because that it's it, and it's one of those things where it keeps you. It's almost like uh, Parasite, nowhere near Parasite, but it's like Parasite because Bong Joon Ho. There's no one like Bong Joon Ho. The way he unravels a whole story through like. When it hits like the first quarter of the movie, then you're like, "Holy shit!" The yeah, whole time he, he didn't take his time with like you kind of he didn't kind of hide the plot from you. He was like, "Oh, okay, you see what they're mm-hmm. doing." It's the entire plot. You, just I think being black and brown, we get it because we'd be like, "Oh, you'll get your family in there, bro." Like, get yeah, your, get you get it. Get you your, get the logic yeah, of I was like, like, get your family in there. I don't get like sabotaging them niggas to get your family in there, but. <laughs> I like you're trying like, to give the, you're trying to make this dude seem like he has tuberculosis and shit. <laughs> like, dog, what? Like, I'm just trying Sorry, to. When they was fighting and she ran to the kitchen, I thought she was going to grab like a knife or a champagne bottle, and she gets a bag of peaches and is just like rubbing it all over her face. Which is, I was dying laughing. <laughs> there was and so that many shit parts is genius. of that movie that were funny. And it's genius. The and the way uh, the sun. Gets hit in the fucking head with the rock. <laughs> Do you remember that? Why is he still alive? That's the insane thing. He has the so Menda in the movie. He has a big ass rock the size of this book, bigger, and throws it at the dude's head while he's passed out on the That's ground. That's the part you weren't expecting to see. You've never seen that. And in the and movie. the way I, I'm I'm sure you noticed it. The sound effects of when the rock hits his head. It's so like it's not loud at all. It's not... It's exactly what a hit. The person <laughs> who did that sound effect, people who make like a crack 
or anything like that. No, a head has it's a, a brain inside of it, and there's like a like a little space in between. So it's it sounds it like this contains. It, it the, sounds like a yeah. It's like a, it contains all the sound inside of your head, and it's just when you hear so it, the, like, the, the loudest part of it is the rock hitting the ground, and it lets you know after, how heavy yeah. the rock was, and the rock symbolism as well. The entire the rock traveled with them. The entire it was. Great you gotta movie. watch it, Minda. Great movie. Even if you know, I yeah. Even I'm telling you all of this stuff, you because you don't even know what the movie's about yet. We can't. We're not even explaining it well. We're just saying. We're saying parts of it. It's like, but still, if you haven't seen Parasite, go watch it. And I did just recommend you Memories of Murder, which is also on Hulu. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 Yeah, Memories of Murder is another like crime film, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just Bong Joon Ho is like one of the best filmmakers of all time. Because how I found about Bong Joon-ho is through Quentin Tarantino. Oh, okay. Is because he backs him up with everything. Like, he puts in a word for him all the time. He, yeah, I see why. Mm-hmm. I, you know me. I'm not a huge... You know, actually, I lie. If the movie is a foreign film, I accept subtitles. Except for because I think because we're in Arizona, every time I turn the movie on, it kept turning on Spanish subtitles. I was mm-hmm. like, why does it keep fucking doing that? I was like, I don't speak. And like, what's <laughs> happening? But yeah, so we was at Barnes and Noble and you we saw the Bong Joon Ho pack, and I was yes. like, "Oh, that seems cool." So what did you get from Barnes and Noble? I got Being John Malkovich, directed by Spike Jones, which I had a conversation with the guy, where he was like, "Oh, it was written by Charlie Kaufman." And I was like, "Really?" And he was like, "Yeah, he also uh, did, um, what did he say? Oh, fuck, what's that? Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind." Yes. And I was like, "Yeah, that's good." But I didn't really like it. <laughs> yeah. And because it was just too, like, I don't know. It was kind of like how I feel about Malcolm and Marie, where I feel like it's for 15-year-old girls who think that's what a relationship should be like. It sounds <laughs> like a movie like that. And the it's Eternal like... Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, like, that sounds like... Uh, that's the, a long-ass title, too. Yeah, that sounds like that movie with uh, Zach Galifianakis and the two teenagers. It is good, though. The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Like, it is... The wallflower of the... It has oh, per- 92% of oh, yeah, it's a great film, but it's, it's just like... Great. It's so great. saturated to me, though. Of how many people like it, and they're like, oh, that's my favorite movie. It's like, you don't even... The reason why it gets to me is because you don't know why you like it. You know what I mean? That's the best part of movies, though. I mm-hmm. just told you, like, I didn't know why I like Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Because they like it because of the... The because Jim Carrey fucking delivers a crazy performance, and also the story, but also the writing of Charlie Kaufman and the directing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't. You're I don't, trying to say like they don't there's, understand. There's so there's so much more you can love it. I don't yeah. want to say don't love it, but just like you're like there's so much more to it. Yeah, like that's all you love it for. Like you fucking yeah, okay, have no idea. It. You know what I mean? So it's a bit, it's like just that's why it's kind of like weird to me when I think of that movie. But I also got. Uh, being John Malkovich, you skipped over that. Oh, I just picked over. Yeah, being John Malkovich. People, if you haven't seen that movie, another movie that I've seen where I'm like, we've talked about Spike this Jones is a before. Great, we've talked about Spike Jones, but we, I, we've mentioned John Malkovich. Yeah, but being John Malkovich is such a fucking weird concept, it, and it's genius. But what does it have any kind of underlying like? message to it or like be yourself or some shit like that it's kind of like i mean for me because it's different for everybody yeah so it's like 
the message, I guess, is like you don't know how much is going on inside of someone's mind. You know what I mean? And like, or how they think of what the inside of your mind is and how someone can really operate. Because when you think about John Malkovich as a person, Mm -hmm. he's a very outrageous and obscure human being. But also I love him because he, when he acts, he he has so much rage in him and anger. And I love it when he, like in uh, Burn After Reading, such a great film with uh, John Malkovich. He looks crazy. Like he's so, he's so fucking cool. And like literally there's like, I don't want to fucking sound like snobby, like, oh, actually I fucking, because when I write, when I was like write scripts, there's like two characters in like different scripts that I'm like, it's based off of a variation mm-hmm. of John Malkovich because I love just how he is as a person. Like he's so fucking like interesting. And even with John Malkovich and the films he chooses to be in, it's so he's very uh, decisive and specific about he doesn't just be in anything mm-hmm. like he's mm-hmm. so like in particular of of what movies he's in. And the fact that they made a movie about being inside of his head is that's my favorite. So that's why I got it. and it, I haven't seen it on Blu-ray anywhere. Have you do you remember the part where he went inside his own head? Mm-hmm. I, I love uh, what's his name? John Cusack. John Cusack. There he is. I, I I just love the beginning of how he's just this loner fucking dude, yeah. and he's just like Little weirdo, and he's just going with everything. How the root the the floor is like half size, seven and three quarters, and he's like, uh, okay, and he's like, I'm here for the like job the interview. Owner of the building built it for little people, and, <laughs> I like, and I just love how he just goes with it. He's just like, okay, I'm going. To, I'm here for the interview, and that's just hilarious to me. To stop the elevator, it's a very dark comedy. Is it? Being John Malkovich. Man, that makes me feel dark. I am a dark person, I guess. <laughs> and I, I enjoy horror movies and shit. I got Mean Time. What which, is that? Which is uh, directed by Mike Lee, starring Tim Roth. The fucking... Uh, dude, tell your Tim Roth story. So Tim Roth is... Okay. I should just explain who he is for people who don't know who he is. He's... Uh, from Reservoir Dogs, and uh, he's the guy who uh, is the cop in Reservoir Dogs. And he was in... Uh, fuck, why am I brain farting right now? He was the Abomination in the Hulk movie. He was the Abomination uh, in the Hulk movie. The, the Incredible Hulk movie. And uh, and he was the... Uh, he was the guy who robbed the diner. Oh, in the he was movie. in the Mr. Right movie, too. He robbed uh, the diner in the beginning in of the Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. He was in that Mr. Right movie. If you ever got... People don't really seem to like Andy Kendrick. But she was in the movie with the creepy guy from uh, The Green Mile. He's always the a bad black guy. guy. Huh? The black guy from Green Mile? No, not Michael Clark Dutton. The creepy <laughs> guy. Oh, creepy. The raper. I keep saying a raper. Rapist. <laughs> I'm not a raper. I'm not a... I'm so not a raper. I keep <laughs> saying raper. It's rapist. And he he's was, a rape. He he's child, a raper. He was a pedophile. And mm-hmm. remember, he was in prison with them in the Green mm-hmm. Mile. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I get you. I get you. I'm following. Yeah. He was also in Gridlocked with Tupac. That's whatever. I'm not even gonna go deep cut at all. But he was. Yeah. That dude is always a bad guy. And uh, he was also in Charlie's Angels, the remake. Tim Roth. No. Uh, I'm sorry. You're talking about Tim Roth, and he was in... No, I'm talking about Tim Roth. He was in Gridlocked with Tupac. Okay, all right. Um, so, yeah, Tim Roth ran into him in L.A., 
And uh, I told him, or no, first I was like, Tim Roth, you know, freaking out because I'm probably one of the only people in the world. I doubt it. I just love Tim Roth. So I ran into him. I was like, Tim Roth. And he was like, oh, hey, what's going on, man? Like with his British accent. (laughs) Showing the court voice. (laughs) He did his British accent. (laughs) You mean he talked to you like a regular? He's from Britain. He didn't do an accent. And he was like. (laughs) He he talked to me in his British accent. (laughs) He was like, what's going on, man? And uh, I went up to him and I was like, I told him Made in Britain changed my life. And he was like, yes, what fuck? You said yeah. He said yeah. Me too. Oh yeah, I said Made in Britain changed my life, and he said yeah. Me too. See how you got so panicked? You, you get so excited. I was fucking thinking. I'm it. replaying it you in my head. You get so excited about it every time. Yeah, and so yeah, I was like Made in Britain changed my life, and he was like yeah, me too. And I was like, I feel like that's a douchey thing to say, but it's also kind of cool because you're like he's famous, so you kind of get away with it. And no, because that's like one of his earlier earliest movies, and. Um, and I, and I was just... For him to say, yeah, me too, kind of shows, like... That was him saying thank you, kind of, mm-hmm. sort of. That like, is... You that know. It, it was that him letting you It's know not only you. a big deal to you, it's a big deal to me, too. It's yeah. not just another movie he did. And he just walks away. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> and his British... Cries in British accent. Cries in, <laughs> cries in British accent. And uh, so, yeah... Signs in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> so I got Mean Time, directed by Mike Lee, because... Who's I don't, Mike Lee? These people are basically Spike Lee, but like split in half. Spike Jones and Mike Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Who are these people? They're, what else has Spike Jones done? I know that name. Her. Mm-hmm. He did her with Joaquin Phoenix. What else did Spike Jones do? He does a lot of experimental. I mean, her is experimental. And so is Big John Malcolm. Like, everything he does is very, like, pushes the boundaries of, like, filmmaking. So that's why Spike Jones is a genius. I probably, I feel like I've seen a lot of his My movies. mouth is fucking dry, dude. I feel like I've seen a lot of his movies, and I like them all the time. Dude, that he was did. so... You, put, you did that on camera? Don't shoot on camera so people can see your shot. That was... <laughs> That was so bad, dude. <laughs> you missed so bad just now. <laughs> but um, he does like a lot of short videos. Mm-hmm. That whole he did, he did uh, Little Chris's Get Back music video. Stand up. He's a goat. Get back, motherfucker! You don't know me like Where he that. We had the yeah. I came. Nope. I don't want to hit the camera. <laughs> but, um. Adaptation. Uh, meantime, and Larjan. No, okay. I'm not going to talk about it. Why not, dude? Talk you... about Larjan. This is a cinema podcast. Okay, okay. So, this is for my people it. out there that. Fu- All right. <laughs> Directed by Robert Basson, a Italian filmmaker. And he did one of my favorite movies, A Man Escaped, which I was just talking to you about. Yes. One of my favorite movies ever. The movie that made me want to start making films. And Larjan is essentially about a, a book, or not a book, what the fuck am I talking about? A joke gone terribly wrong to its fullest extent. 
and just the way it plays out, how he's digging himself in a hole more and more, and to the point where it gets like uh, violent and stuff. I don't know. It's it came out in literally in what 1983. year? 1983. I feel like they may have made, like, not a remake, but there's a movie on Hulu I just watched Mm -hmm. that was called, like, The Joke Went Too Far. I think that was the name of the the movie. Yeah, French with English subtitles. Did I say Italian? I don't mean to say that. I figured you meant French, but I didn't want to correct you because I I don't know if I know or not. But yes, that sounds like a great premise. It, it's a, it's I I really I love Robert Brisson because he did A Man Escapes and uh, he made another movie called Pickpocket. This Poc- movie Pickpocket sounds a lot like the the premise of this movie. I'm just fucking with you. I've never I've I think I've heard of that. I've never seen a it. young man and his sister endure a night of increasingly frightening practical jokes while spending the night at a okay. motel. You see why it sounds? I was yeah. like, it sounds a lot like. This is definitely more uh, French New Wave. Like he didn't mean like the project, the joke. Yeah, was not on purpose. It's not like the print. It's not the concept of the movie. Yeah, but what I get, yeah, this guy's just a nut job in this movie. He's, he's just <laughs> fucking crazy. Me of when Bert was talking about how he wore his. Uh, Bert who? Chrysler. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He had the fake money in there. Yeah. And he was like actually using fake money instead of real money because mm-hmm. he thought it was real. <laughs> but he was like buying coffee and buying <laughs> breakfast. He like went to Oh, the- and yeah. CVS and like got his medication and shit. That That's reminds- funny because I just, the dude from the dispensary told me that one time he went to the bank and got money and went like next door to buy something and they were like, this is a fake $20 bill. And he was like, uh, I just came <laughs> from the chase next door. And they were like, that's fine. <laughs> that's <laughs> cool and all. He but... said, he was like, he showed them the like the receipt. And he was like, that's what, because they normally supposed to call the cops on you. Yeah. But he was like, he sold the He's receipt. like, I just pulled this shit yeah, out. And they were like, the rest of it was real money. But it was like that one counterfeit. Bill and that got through there. the bank. Exactly. Right. That's crazy. Because he was telling me about somebody tried to use a fake $50 bill, and guess what? They had the wrong president on it. They had Lincoln on there. On the 50? On the 50. <laughs> he said the dude gave it to him, and he was like, dude. <laughs> whenever, I think like, of, on, whenever I think of fake money, I think of Goodfellas, because what Robert De Niro did on set, when there was a... a point in the movie where he's giving out like money to people like tipping people off and uh he at, he told martin scorsese uh and one of the assistant directors he was like i can't do fake money he's like he was like give me two thousand dollars of real money and then so he can like get into character and feel it and then so they gave him so in the movie when robert de niro has money it's real money just so he can like feel it and be like in character. Because his brain's gonna say this isn't even real money. Mm-hmm. But if you're giving out something that you're like the studio is pissed, mm-hmm. <laughs> then it's like I'm giving away money. Because Robert De Niro in Goodfellas is one of the best roles ever. Like Robert De Niro officially killed that shit. Like top five performances. I really liked ever. him in that Family Killer movie he was in when he was like the, the fan. I'm just kidding. 
Is that what it was called? <laughs> no, that's not it. I'm pretty sure it was called The Family, though. Yeah. No, the, I said The Fan. Oh. With Wesley Snipes, but that's not it. Okay, but <laughs> somebody said you, you, that was the call. The, the movie was called The Family. So I was like, oh shit. But they, yeah, they were like, he was in a witness protection program. Mm-hmm. Fucking dope ass movie. I can't think of my favorite Robert De Niro movie. Probably Raging Bull. I just watched Raging Bull earlier this week, a couple of days ago. Because Raging Bull and... Uh, Bad Grandpa. Bad Grandpa. <laughs> Raging Bull and uh, Taxi Driver. Or Mean Streets. Probably Raging Bull, I'd say. He was hilarious. People, a lot of film lovers or, hate Robert De Niro for doing Bad Grandpa. Awakenings? You seen Awakenings? With uh, Robin Williams? He went. I haven't watched a lot of Robin Williams. Where he went full retard after he. Whoa. Bleep that out. No, I'm talking about like he did. Yeah, he did. But please bleep that. out. <laughs> <laughs> I just that just slipped out too. But yeah, he went full retard. And then you're gonna say it again. I mean. Yeah, that's just me having to bleep it out again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he did, but it was a weird movie. I remember seeing it, and then I'm like, damn, he's fucking, he's really going for it. But he was like uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, My Left Foot. All right. Never seen that movie. What movie is that? Where Daniel Day-Lewis does his, goes into it fully. Oh, like Forrest Gump? No, that's not. When you say my left foot, I'm th- automatically thought of Forrest Gump's leg. That's not full. That's not. It's that's spectrum. semi. Yeah, the spectrum. That was the beginning of the like. Hmm. That was the beginning of everyone's like. I'm gonna put a mentally handicapped person in my film or a role. Gilbert Grape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Awakenings was based on a true story. Oh, it was. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh, that's not the first time he went full. Robert De Niro? No. Daniel oh, Rob, De Niro? Uh, Robert, Robin Williams. Robin Williams didn't go full. Oh. He was the doctor. And, uh, oh, Awakenings. wait. Jack, he had a uh, disease. He wasn't full. That Remember One Hour Photo? Dude, <laughs> you just brought that back. Great movie. Is that, is that, that Robin changed, Williams? That changed cut? everybody's outlook on Robin Williams. You're just like, Oh, you can act, dude. I think that's Robin uh, Williams. I think like that's, you're, we always knew you could act, but you're a weird now. I, I think that's Robin Williams' deep cut, a little bit. Kind of made like his demise and insomnia made more sense now. Watching those movies, you're like, eh, maybe you're kind of trying to tell us something. Those movies were kind of dark. But the fact did, that all but we the, did was praise him for it. The fact, good job, dude. The fact that he was able to touch, tap into that was amazing. You were, you were a cross-dressing nun or nanny. and Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> yeah, then you were a radio operator in Nam, And now you're a pedophile in a Photoshop. And insomnia. What was he, just like a creep? He was just a, a, a bad guy. Yeah. He was just a... a but he was like, he, didn't he smile in that in that movie? Yeah, he was very like uh he was a cold villain. He was ugh. those are the worst kind of villains. He was like a Bond villain almost. You know, but that brings me back to Parasite when he dropped that rock. 
Mm-hmm. He just fucking lost it. It was like from that moment, because he was mad. Oh, his wife. That's when he was mad. He lost his mind. He fucking snapped. Mm-hmm. He fucking snapped. And he was doing the he was pressing the Morse code button with his forehead and his forehead was bleeding. He was like He was like, Somebody please come help me, like help me. And he was writing down, he was like, Help me and but that was it. And he would uh the at the he, end the dad would write out this long ass paragraph every single fucking night, hoping that someone would see it when his it was good, so good. Parasite gets all the praise it deserves. Yes. And um <sighs> What else? What were we talking about? Uh, we were talking Going about, full. Um, yeah, we that's what threw it off, the full. Robert De Niro, we're talking about Robert De Niro. Yeah. His best movies, Raging Bull and Taxi Driver. What is Raging Bull about? Uh Jake LaMotta, the old 40s boxer. Yeah. And um the way, honestly, the way Martin Scorsese pictures every true story and the way he likes to tell it is super dope. Like Wolf of Wall Street. Like Wolf of Wall Street is an insanely good movie. Mm-hmm. Like the way he's able to tell the story, how like, and even Goodfellas too. Well, Goodfellas was a book, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like just the way he's able to make it come to life and be this film is so cool. But Raging Bull, it's, it's, it's really good because I watched, I told you, I'm pretty sure I told you this before, where I have his short films on, on Blu-ray. Yes. And after watching all of them and seeing, it's always good seeing a pers- a great, like a legend's like first early work. Mm-hmm. So watching Scorsese's short films, he has one called um, uh, American Boy. Can you look that up, Minda? Mm-hmm. I want to say it was American Boy. And, um... It's about, I told you it's about, literally the short film is not that long. It's maybe five minutes long about a guy shaving. And, um, and when you put yourself in the mindset of in like, like post-Vietnam and like um, uh, the meticulousness of like growing up, you know what I mean? And like all the, the struggles, I guess, and the scars that come with it, literally, because he's shaving and he mm-hmm. nicks himself over and over. And then at the end, I told you where he gets the he shaves across his neck and then you just see the blood. And that's why I brought it up because when you see the blood, there's a shot when the blood is dripping down. It's of his, just his torso filling up the frame. It's just his torso filling up the frame and there's the blood dripping down. And like literally seeing that and then watching Raging Bull, it's the same shot of the sweat and the water in the ring when uh, in Raging Bull. And, like, you just see, when you watch the short films, you see the ideas he was trying to push out and the ideas he was trying to get through and, and like, bring to life all the things he wanted, really wanted to do in his short films. And then you see it come more to life in his feature films later on in his career. Okay. Did you listen to anything I just said? I did. I heard it. It's just You know, when you talk about, like, blood and shit like that, you know I get all fucking, I'm about to pass out. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm about to pass out, dude. Dang. What are you looking up? 
Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I feel like you'd be like a half, like and a second behind. Yeah, Raging Bull and then versus like Rocky. Because it was like, Ugh. they're kind of along the, I mean, they're kind of along the same line. I can't get the fucking visual out of my head. You talk about the razor on the neck. Then what did he do? Did he take the razor and he went? No, it, this it wasn't way? a. It wasn't a. He had like a shape, like with the handle and like whatever. A straight razor. Yeah, yeah. No. No. Like the regular shit you shave with, like we shave with. Like a safety razor. Yeah. Version? And like, he just went across his neck, but it started bleeding though, and the blood started dripping down. He didn't slice his neck. No, not on purpose. He was like shaving, but at the end he just went across his neck. And then it, did he die? No, it just kept going, like the blood, oh. and then it ended. I mean, if obviously if that was real, he would <laughs> he would fucking die. But right, that's so what I was trying to figure. <laughs> I was like, was he trying to kill himself? I mean, <sighs> that's such a Nate movie. So open ended. <laughs> did he die or not, man? I want to know because I'm like, man. Did you like the Dark Knight trilogy? Yeah, why wouldn't I? Because you, it's open-ended as well. Mm-mm. Literally closes that Bruce Wayne is sitting at the end. That's a dream. <laughs> no, it's not. That it is. No, it's, it's not. It's a dream. Menda, hop on it. It's a dream. It's open-ended. You don't know if he's alive still or not. He was literally sitting with Catwoman. It was a dream. From who? How did he get away? He flew. With the bomb and blew up? He had a subsonic jet. You can beat that. How do you think people drop nuclear bombs? That's why he, he was in the jet flying it. Yeah, he didn't with bl- the bomb. No, he didn't blow the jet up. He dropped the bomb. He went off with the bomb and blew up. No, that's what you saw. You never saw. His, you never saw the screen like he was inside the cockpit and it blew. So up. was he not in the ship? No, he was in the ship. What did Lucius Fox say at the end? He said, I built in an autopilot protocol. And he said, I never got it to work before he left. That was at the end of the movie. So he never got to work on it. Lucius so there's no Fox auto- never got to work on it. Bruce Wayne was smarter than Lucius Fox. That's always been the thing. So is there an autopilot or not? Yes. How do you know? He said it. It when? was implied at the end when? of the movie. When? We, hey guys, this is the when, first when time. When did they? When did they say that there's autopilot? There's he no said, fucking he, autopilot in the jet. The, there is autopilot. He literally says it in the movie that there's autopilot in the jet. Autopilot. They say yes. that in the movie. Yes. Show me. Oh my! I'm literally mad. There's no. They don't. Why did Batman lie about autopilot on the bat? Before leaving with the bomb, he explicitly told Catwoman that there was no autopilot when he already fixed it six months before. Why would he do this? So he said there was no autopilot. He lied, but he there was autopilot. Because he even, Lucius Fox even says it in the movie. He said, I think he fixed it before he left. He's like, I can never get it to work. Now I'm fucked. 
open. I was like, open-ended? No, it's not. <laughs> Look up, is Dark Knight Rises open-ended? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm being dead serious right now. What does it say? It's definitely in the open-ended nature of the film. Is it's simply a very important thematic idea that we wanted to get into the movie. What does it say? For me, The Dark Knight Rises specifically and definitely the end of the Batman story that I wanted to tell and the open-ended nature of the film is simply a very important thematic idea. So it is open-ended. Christopher Nolan said it was fucking open-ended. Yeah, he said that. And he fucking Not made the movie. Oh, fuck a Batman fan. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Fucking nerd. Oh my God. If Christopher, if the person who made the movie said, if that. the person who said the movie, who made the movie says the movie is open-ended, it's fucking open-ended. I'll give you that, but it's not open-ended. Yes, it is. But you know why? You know why the movie is open-ended? Because the fucking director, Christopher Nolan, said it was open-ended. Literally, the ending scene is Batman going, hey, I'm here. <laughs> it's a fucking dream. You don't know if it's real. You know how many YouTube videos I have seen of, like, you don't know if Alfred is dreaming or not? That's fucking... That's such a stupid, like, take on that. It's beyond right, dumb for somebody to say, oh, that could be a dream. I'm done with this. It's literally <laughs> him seeing, he goes into the Batman cave and says, I'm Batman now. Because he's fucking. Robin. He says, call me Robin. Because he's fucking dead. And then he says, I wish I would see you at the, he said, I want to see you. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I've seen this movie a thousand times. Yeah, everybody's seen it a thousand times. I'm sure you can ask anybody. They'll be like, yeah, Batman's at the end of the movie. Selena Kyle and Bruce Wayne. It's open ended. He gets up and he's like, I'm happy now. That's the end of the movie. How's that open ended? It's open ended. <laughs> There's nobody who agrees with you or uh, Christopher Nolan. Fucking Christopher Nolan said it was either. He's a fucking idiot. Shut that's the fuck up. That's not what is, the fuck? This There's like literally the a quote closing. that says this is Christopher like the Nolan. Most closing. The conclusion of the final movie. Here's Robin Go to the comments. Go to the comments. To Go to the comments. Go to the comments. <laughs> Give Bruce Wayne a happy ending. One of, One of the best, best endings to But I never said thank you. And you'll never have... What the... Nolan always fucking wins with his endings. It's so epic. It makes my eyes water. This is a closed-end ending. <laughs> <laughs> Like, <laughs> go back, Emil, go back to Emil the. Blonsky is his name. That was his name. The abomination. Oh, Blonsky, Blonsky. You said Schlotsky. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, anybody, everybody listening, go and comment and tell Nate that you're like, yeah, dude. Everybody knows how the movie ended. Like, duh. <laughs> I know I'm not the only one. No, I'm out, you're literally the only I, one. I, I, I'm, I need to think that it was a dream. Because he fucking blew up at the space with the, the did bat. It. Did you fall asleep after that? He. Part? It was a dream. He fucking. <laughs> 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 
He fucking blew up. He did it. You clearly see he did it. No one, there was no fucking proof. So how do you explain Selena Kyle being there? She wasn't in the place. It was a fucking dream. <laughs> he didn't want him to be with Selena Kyle. He didn't say, I want you to be with Selena Kyle. This dude just went off with a jewel thief. That's an ending. That's a that's like the most off the grid you can get. Everybody knows that scene. <laughs> <laughs> Lick your little glass up. <sighs> Everybody, I don't know anybody who listens to this right now is like, yeah, dude, definitely knows the ending. You were like, it's open ended. It's open ended. Like, <laughs> All right. Your I'll give you the cinematographer part of you. The cinephile part of you knows that for some reason that that's what he thought, but nobody thought that. Nobody thought that. Tenet is open-ended. Is it though? Because in a way, because in a in a way, it loops. That makes it open-ended because it never closes. And. That's never been done before. Yeah, that's open-ended. Inception is... Open-ended as fuck. That is open-ended. That's like the... that pisses everybody that's the off epit- till That's this the epitome day. of open-ended. That pisses people off till... Open-ended. Until this day, that pisses people off that we don't know whether... Especially because the shit wobbled. Google uh, best open-ended movies of all time. Because that is fuck Bruce Wayne. <laughs> oh my god! So look, look. What? Dark Knight Rises, number ten. <laughs> Google that shit, Rob. What does it say right there? Ten, ten. Wait, go up, go up, go up, go up, go up, go up, go up. Ten, go up, bitch. Ten best movies with open endings, and go to the first fucking movie it shows. Why does it Dark Knight. Re- read it. <laughs> read it out loud. The finale of the best comic to film series might not hold the legendary status of its predecessor, but the climax made it stand out. How does it? How does it have a climax if it's open ended? Because you don't know if he's alive or not. But the climax made it stand out on its own. Bruce Wayne has lost everything and is in recluse. His adversary Bane has taken control of Gotham and is using a nuclear device to keep the people on their toes. Bruce becomes Batman again, but Bane proves up. Everybody knows this part. This is like you What's the second paragraph? With the entire city of chaos, Batman takes it upon himself to deliver the bomb to a safe detonation place. As he flies away on the bat plane, the bomb detonates and the entire Gotham City witnesses the sacrifice of their beloved Dark Knight. After a while, Lucius Fox discovers that the autopilot of the bat plane has been fixed, and James Gordon found that the bat signal to be refurbished. Loyal friend Alfred spies the content Bruce Wayne with Selena Kyle while visiting Florence, marking the ending of the iconic trilogy, and Nolan and his trademark style leaves it open for presumption. I don't understand how that's open-ended. 
They literally keep just reading, said, keep reading, keep reading, keep reading, keep reading, keep reading. It's not this, done. It's the not done. Core bat lovers are of the belief that the Dark Knight is alive and well in the beginning, and be, and being the Batman can do almost anything. The skeptics, the skeptics, however, think the climax to be a part of Alfred's fantasy, as he had recounted in the film earlier, and that Batman has perished in the bas- blast, handing over the reins of his kingdom to Robin John Blake. The conclusion of the Dark Knight series by Christopher Nolan means we don't have a logical conclusion, but dead or alive... This is bullshit. (laughs) Because the first part of the second sentence is the skeptics. Me. Yeah. Usually, you know what people call skeptics? Nut jobs. Because literally... Guess I'm fucking crazy then. Everybody else has... It literally just said... Loyal friend Alfred spies a content Bruce Wayne with Selena Kyle. And they just think that it's a part of some random fantasy. What has Alfred been dreaming the entire fucking trilogy then? All of a sudden, it's just going to put us inside the mind of Alfred. It's like, hey, he, he's like, good. Hey, man, I got to see him. Like, cool, It all man. depends on how you that's see so it, bro. That's so stupid. That's the dumbest. That's the dumbest, like... I don't even understand how Christopher Nolan thinks that's open-ended. He's fucking with y'all. He's like, these idiots are going to fucking take this ending and think it means something deeper. No. Bruce Wayne handed the reins off to Robin like he does in the comic books a couple times. And then he fucking... He hands over the reins of it. So, because it's like, it's the same ending. So, it's like, either he's dead or alive, but the ending is still that Robin becomes Batman. Yeah. So that's not open-ended. Yeah, it's either he's dead and Robin becomes Batman or Batman retires and Robin becomes uh, or Robin becomes Robin. It all depends on how you see it, man. Think about life. No one agrees with you. No. And he fucking cinema. No the regular. Who wrote this fucking, who wrote this? The we're we're going to call Titi right now. Fucking FaceTime a FaceTime right, now. right the fuck now. Right now. Say, say, hey, uh, what do you think about the ending of Dark Knight Rises? That's what you got to say. How are we going to question him? We're going to ask No, him. no, so it's not biased, Menda. How... Ask, what's the question we need to ask? How did the Dark Knight Rises end? What do you think of the Dark Knight Rises end? Yeah, say, what do you think happened? What are your thoughts on it? Say that. That's so open. No, no, no. That's an open say, say, say it just to say what he thinks. Just to say what he thinks. And be calm. I'll, I'll be calm. <laughs> Please answer. Please fucking answer. I'm gonna call him next. All right. Say quick question. Yo. Quick question. We're recording the pod right now. Quick question. Where are you guys Serious, yeah. serious question. This is a serious question, yeah, though. Okay. Hey, okay. what happened at the end of The Dark Knight Rises? The Dark Knight At the very Rises. end, the last one. Yeah, at the very end of the last Batman movie where he fought Bane. Do you remember the ending? Uh, oh, the Bane one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What happened? You know what happened at the, the very end? end? Like the ending? The, the Alfred shit. Yeah, yeah. What about yeah, what it? What happened? What happened with Alfred? He sees him and Catwoman. Wait, 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 wait. What about it? What about it? What about it? What about it? Yeah. 
Everybody. And then, wait, to... wait, wait. And that's it? Because he told them in the, in the, in like some, at some point in the movie, and then that shit comes back around and he sees them. And yeah. it's like, boom, dream come true. Happy ending. Michael Kine. <laughs> <laughs> wait, so, so it's not open ended. It's technically, uh, I mean, it's Nolan, bro. I think it's just up to you. The viewer, but I might. I conceded just, I that think point because it, it was a trilogy. You know what? I think it was. I think it's gone. You know what I mean? Because he I lets you decide. Mm, I don't. He keep. Nate said that he lets you decide, but I'm like, it seems fairly obvious the ending, though. I was like, I don't see how that was open for interpretation. Like it shows you Bat. Robin becomes Batman because you don't know if that's him still fantasizing. We never seen him no, fantasize. What do you say? No, I think uh, I, I think it was ended because it was only a trilogy. So I think he he literally had like captive Batman sail off into the sun. But uh, I gotta go right now. I all right. Talk to you guys. I yeah, so, yes. All right. Cool. <laughs> Deuces. We just wanted to solve that, and I was right. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Okay. <laughs> all right. See? Ended. It's every, ended. It's every, ended. It's ended. Every We're regular done. person he thinks. It. But he was on both sides. He was on the fence. You wanted him to be on both sides. <laughs> we'll let the listeners decide. I want you... to pay for promo for this episode. I'm going to say, what happened at the end of Dark Knight Rises? That's the title of this episode. I know so I'm not crazy. Fucking... You're making me feel crazy, but I know I'm not crazy. I know I'm, what I'm saying. I know what I'm saying. <laughs> because i really hope that you know like you're literally you're maybe out of all the people i've met in my life you're uh you're not the first person i've heard say this so i will give you that but everybody told him he was fucking crazy too (laughs) we all said shut up you don't know anything we badgered him into saying we're right and that's what happened Cause where's the? T- because I like to think he died. That's fine that you like to think, but that. it's open ended. We don't know. Everybody knows. <laughs> if you're a fucking nerd, I just call, oh, according just to my calculations, Br- Bruce Wayne is smarter than Lucius Fox. Get the, get the fuck up, bro! It's Christopher Nolan. <laughs> But that was Zack Snyder. It's still the same Bruce Wayne. Get the fuck out of here. See, Bruce Wayne is really smart. He is. I will say that. Smarter than Lucius Was Lucius Fox. Fox in Justice League? No, they talk about him, though. Okay. He's not in it. Wait. No, he... They should just do Morgan Freeman again. No, he, yeah. <laughs> He's not in it. Yeah, they talk about him, though. Morgan Freeman should just be Lucius Fox. Yeah. In everything. Though. That name is fucking cool, man. Yeah. It's pretty fire. Lucius Fox? Damn. I'm going to start calling Lou that. Lucius. Yeah, Lucius Fox. Is that gay? A little. That's a little. Yeah. Giving a man like a longer nickname? Yeah. That's gay. That's pretty gay, bro. (laughs) (laughs) I had to do a man check real quick. (laughs) Like, whoa. Like, as I say it out loud, you ever say some shit to come out? You be like, that didn't sound right, man. I don't know about that. Let me get with my home. (sighs) 
Did I did did the no did the back Dark Knight trilogy throw you off now? Yeah. I'm exhausted. <laughs> this might be our best episode. Yeah. Definitely the most entertaining. I hope, you, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I'm about to say, we have one fee. You don't have to give them an hour and a half all the time. It is 1040. We can end it right here. But yeah. positive outro. Let's outro it. Yeah, right what here. did you say your positive outro was? I had two. And the first one I wanted to say. Okay, okay, I have it. I have it. I have it. So the first one I want to say, if for the people who are listening and you want to start a podcast, start it. Because although even I had thoughts of like too many people have podcasts, that's what took me so long to actually do it. Like too many people have podcasts, you know, like fucking what do you talk about? Everyone just like tries to do one, whatever, whatever. But just fucking do it. Pick something. Because my example is, is that if you are into something like anime or if you're into film, make a anime podcast or make a film podcast because you never know who will love your take on anime and your love for anime. And so and how the, you interpret it. That's why. And so make it your own. Mm-hmm. Don't just make, don't try to be Joe Rogan. Yes. Do what makes it different and you, and don't try too hard yeah. and do your thing. So I, you gotta, yeah. you know, that's why I like, enjoy this podcast because as you guys can tell. Because we just fucking yelled Nate about Christopher Nolan. Yeah. <laughs> me and Nate literally see different things in the same movies and that's fun. That's discourse is the way, is the way that you grow. And get surround yourself with people who slightly disagree with yes, you. Yes, that's the only. My music has gone way up because of Nate and Chris telling me that's not good, or my friends just in general. Mm-hmm. You, you need don't be around a bunch. Don't be in an echo chamber, man. Don't mm-hmm. be around a bunch of people mm-hmm. who tell you that you're. Because I was good gonna, yeah, like make sure you get the feedback you need. Yeah. Because I was talking about this the last episode. We kind of veered off of it of my point when I was talking about Stanley Kubrick and Saul Bass and mm-hmm. the poster design for The Shining. And how many drafts there were for the Shining poster, mm-hmm. and the notes Stanley Kubrick would leave of like, "This isn't good at all. This mm-hmm. is terrible. This is a bad concept." On the greatest fucking poster designer of all time, mm-hmm. and he that kind of feedback is what you need. Yeah. You know what I mean? And another thing I wanted to say, just real quick, and I wanted to bounce it off of you, of like, if you want to be a creative or be an artist or be rich and famous, whatever, whatever you want to be, and not work a nine to five know that you're going to have to work 24-7. Yeah. You got to work a 9-to-5 to not work a 9-to-5. No, there's a lot of people out here who are just, like, floating. Yeah, just because if you're one of those people who's like, oh, I wasn't made for a 9-to-5. Well, if you don't work 9-to-5, you're going to have to work 24-7 and never Non-stop. stop. And you, there's you, no, like, you, getting by. say I'm not made for a 9-to-5. You're not made for a whatever time because <laughs> everybody doesn't <laughs> have to work. You could push an 8-to-4, yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're not made. You, you got People got to do it, man. You yes. all got to do it. So, yeah, if you're know that not working a 9-to-5 and trying to be a creative or trying to be whatever, that doesn't mean it's not work. Yeah. So you're going to have to. It's, that's why I say it's work 24-7. Out, go start